Okay, guys, this is like really making me cringe on how to like start this podcast episode because it's really difficult for me to like get in a groove of how to approach and say hello to address you all. But hello, welcome to the second episode of Chronicles of a Curious Soul. Okay, so to be honest, my first episode was kind of like a pilot episode. I did in fact record that episode about five months ago. (laughs) So happy new year. If you're listening to the second episode, we're still in January. Happy new year. I've changed a lot. I feel for my first episode. So thank you for tuning into the second one. That was just a trial run. That was what was on my mind during that time. And as you'll see, that kind of is an accurate representation of myself. Like I feel like I'm ever changing my thoughts, my feelings, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, there's just going to be a lot of different random topics that we're going to go over. But today I'm really excited for this one because this one has been on my mind for a long time. I'm recovering from a cold right now, so my voice is a little weird. But yeah, this topic has been coming up persistently probably this the whole past year, right? So I turned 23 last July and I have been doing this research there's two articles I'm going to like go over. So it talks about why 23 is one of the hardest years of your life or yeah, one of the hardest years because there's a few more hard years later on that we can get to later. Like when the Saturn return comes and when you're like 27, 28. Okay. But first we're going to focus on 23. Okay. So basically it talks about how during the first Jupiter return happens when you're 12 years old, which is like the focus on you preparing to enter adulthood, right? We all remember being 12 years old. I remember my friends used to make fun of me because I was like the last one to be 12. And they would like, when they were 13, they would still make fun of me that I was like a 12 year old. Okay. (laughs) And that's the year I actually got a Tumblr when I was 12 years old. So if that, that just makes a lot of sense, like, right. Getting into adulthood, Tumblr, all of the things that we're going to to shape my life, right? So when we're 23, 24, we experience our second Jupiter return. And this can be like a critical point in our lives. So it says in this article that we're piecing together what Jupiter was trying to show us. So Jupiter returns are all about bringing positive growth and sometimes Jupiter needs to change and clear things before this is possible. So it says it can throw a few challenging lessons in there for you to learn to appreciate and find the luck in all situations. So it also says that Jupiter cycles always bring something new and a new opportunity for positive growth. So whatever people are going through during a Jupiter return will feel like they're starting a brand new chapter in their lives. And I, I mean, this is resonating with me so much because I have, I have felt like this year of 23, not like the 2022, 2023, being 23 has been the most eye-opening, challenging years. And I I still have like six months left. So can't wait. Mm, yeah. So if you're also 23, 24, it, maybe this, this resonates with you. And then there's another article right here by Elite Daily called 23 Reasons Why 23 is the Absolutely Worst Year of Your Life. Like it's like a thing. It's like a thing. I think that it's just a phenomenon of people all feeling the same feeling together and noticing that when they were 23, this happens. Also being in your early twenties anyway, like I talked in the last episode is just kind of awkward and weird. And you know, you're just figuring out your life and you're unlocking new 
brain wave patterns, all that stuff. So it also says, here's what I just said about brain waves. So your prefrontal cortex is the part that controls your emotional response. It's at its height of formation, making us crazy with feelings. However, the rest of the brain is retaining its information that it thinks it'll use in the future and clearing out the rest. So this is why you feel so delusional because your brain is literally forming like new parts. Yeah. See, all of these reasons in this article are so fucking real. Like it talks about how, you know, you're too old to be making the same mistakes you made your first year of college, but you're not old enough to act like an adult. Your best friends change. Yep. Went through that. You're at the bottom of the totem pole again, literally, because you move to a new city. You're kind of like, I mean, if you've moved to a new city, you're starting fresh. You have to meet new people. You have to network. Like, don't really like doing all that stuff. You're on Hinge. You're on dating apps. You're meeting all types of people. It's really difficult, I think. It's just weird. It's just like a weird age. Literally, one of them says nobody likes you when you're 23. I kind of get it, though. Like, we're kind of all over the place. We're we're just transforming. We're figuring out. Sometimes, like, literally some days I'll think that I have it all together. And then other days I'm literally, like, not okay. Oh, yeah. You can't afford your lifestyle. That's so true. Because, like, we just think that once we're an adult, we can get all these, like, luxurious things. But you're still 23, babe. Like, we're still working our way up. We're still figuring out our finances, all the things. Okay, wait, y'all. I'm sorry, but (laughs) this is me. I have to interrupt really quick. I just listened back to this episode. Please give me grace because I'm constantly contradicting myself in this episode. The point is what I'm trying to get at is that yes, we all care about what people think. Yes, we all want validation, right? But the point that I'm trying to say is at the same time, fuck that. We shouldn't care what people think. Okay, so there's a few times where I go back and forth, but at the end of the day, fuck what people think. Who gives a fuck how you're perceived? However, I know it's normal to do so, but we're trying to break that. Okay, thank you. Continue. So yeah, basically what I'm saying is 23 has been one of those just not easy years, not an easy time, but I do believe that when you go through your hardest times, you prevail and you come out stronger, right? You learn all of these things. They change you into who you are. Now you're a stronger person. Now you know how to deal with things, blah, blah, blah. So the topic of self-perception has come up so many times this year. Me and my best friend, Brooke, talk about this all the time. We talk about how when we meet certain people, when we go on a date, like everyday life scenarios and how we can feel the person perceiving us. And sometimes we don't like how they're perceiving us. And sometimes we're like, oh, like I like how it's perceived tonight. Uh, It's just like, we always go through these, we always go through these instances. And it's really funny because we'll send each other voice notes about like how the night went or the day went or whatever. And it all of the time, most of the time, we always get back to this topic of controlling our perception. Well, let me just say, it is exhausting trying to control your perception if not impossible, because there's no way that everyone you meet in your life is going to think you're exactly the same. Like, of course, if you take your, if you take your group of friends, right. And you sit them down and you, you tell them to all like name something about you or describe you. I'm sure that it would, it would be fairly accurate, right? Because we do, we all give off a certain energy. We all have personalities, 
right? But obviously we're deeper people than just what our friends describe us as, right? Even if I were to, to describe myself to you, I could still think of things, you know, in the next five minutes that are different than what I said five minutes ago. Like we're ever changing. We're always different. We're always different versions of ourselves. And I, I mean, I really feel like I could, go, I could go down like a rabbit hole here. Just keep repeating and going on like a loop of talking about this. But I, I don't know. Like I really do feel like there's an overall theme in life of self-perception and what people view us as. Because we always hear these like little mantras throughout our lives, right? Like fuck what people think. Like I don't care what people think, which is true, right? How does what someone thinks about you affect you? Like physically what someone thinks about you or views about you does not affect you. If you think of it as like a tangible thing, right? It doesn't matter. It's actually none of your business also what others think of you, right? But like as human nature, we want to be validated. We want to be liked. I mean, most of us, right? So I started to think literally if you step back, I'm not going to go like the whole way with this because I I do believe that we do things for ourselves and it's so important to do things for yourself. But I started to think about like things we do in everyday life, right? Social media, work, working every day to have like a bigger goal in mind, right? So let's say you're posting on social media, like social media is literally just validation. I'm sorry, but if you have a Finsta maybe and you're posting like your aesthetics and whatever, maybe it's a journal for you. But even if like, okay, you have a close, okay, I'm like not finishing here. Even the people that follow you on your Finsta, like you kind of want a little validation from them. You kind of want them to comment what you're doing. Let's say you post a new art piece or like something you're doing. You kind of want a little compliment, right? Human nature. We want to be validated. When you're on your close friend story, like I do, and I post, hey, which which of this should I get? Or I post about a story time or like something shitty that happened to me. It always is funnier or like makes me laugh or like makes me feel more validated when I have people reply to my stories like, ha 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 ha, or like, no way, no way. Like it like hypes me up a little bit, right? So in a way, we do care what people think and we do care how people perceive us. And trust me, me talking about this topic and like sharing this by no means means that I'm healed from this or that I'm going to stop caring about what people think of me or my perception. I'm learning as well. And this is why I'm diving into this topic because I'm curious about it. Like why, why do we care? Why do we want to be validated? What, why? So as I've delved into my little research about this, there is a difference between internal validation and external validation. So internal validation is the ability for us to honor and acknowledge our positive strengths, achievements, and emotions. And then external validation is the acknowledgement of our strengths and emotions from others. So we can be validated by knowing our worth, right? We can know what we hold. We can know our talents. We can know that we are amazing, strong, caring, beautiful, a good cook, like all this stuff, right? But we do kind of test ourselves by seeing how others are going to react to it. So let's say you like cook a meal for someone. You think you just made the best meal ever, but you still want to share with your loved one. And you still want to get that compliment from them that told you that it was a good meal, right? Now, sometimes even if they don't agree, you're like, okay, well, I disagree. I still think this is great, right? But we can't say that sometimes maybe it doesn't bother us a little that not everyone loved something we created. We could get really deep with this. I'm not, I'm not going to go too deep because I'm really just trying to, I'm just trying to get to the masses. But some people do 
need more emotional validation than others. And this could be like stemming from your childhood or attachment styles, like anxiety, rejection, all that kinds of stuff. So that's like something like definitely more serious. And I suggest if you don't, if, if this, if this sounds like this relates to you, there's so many resources online and especially like therapy. I actually um, have a therapist, love her seeing her tomorrow. Thank you who helps me with all of these types of things. You can actually take um, an attachment style test too to see like which of the four attachment styles you are. Just just getting giving you a little more information. Not to get too, too mentally deep here, but just so you know that that's available. But anyway, most people do like a little validation. So validation is the recognition and acceptance of someone else's experience. So I saw this TikTok once about how like when girls tell a story to someone they really care about, right? A lot of girls will tell them like the place they stopped at. Okay. So let's say that a girl is telling her story of the day, right? She'll tell you on along her walk, someone, or she's walking along her walk. Maybe she walked into a flower store and she'll tell you that the person that sold her the flowers that gave her a compliment or was really nice to her. And then she'll tell you about how she went to this ice cream shop and she'll explain like the flavor to you and like all these different tiny little experiences that she really like wants you to experience with her. So we're not just telling these details. I do this a lot when I tell stories. I try to tell like every single sensual experience, emotional experience that I experience because I want the person I'm telling to also experience it, right? I think this is also being an empath because I want them to feel what I felt. Not everyone will do that. Okay. I have to learn the hard way. Not everyone's going to feel that and empathize with me, but I think this goes a part of like being, wanting to be validated. Like I want others to recognize my experience, accept it, even if they don't agree with it. It's kind of just like you want them to tell you that your experience was valid, basically. It's weird though, because I feel like I switch around all the time. Like I'm just speaking for myself here, but most of the time, like when I wear an outfit or when I do something online or most of most, mostly it's a physical self-expression. I usually don't care what people think. Like I don't dress for anyone else but myself. Don't dress for men. Maybe I dress for other girls because that's like fun. Like maybe it's, maybe it's for girls, but maybe it's all, I think it's really just for myself. So it's weird that sometimes I still want validation. Maybe it's like when I'm telling a story or, you know, whatever, maybe more emotionally validating than physically. So it's, for me, it's more of like a mental thing. Okay. So back to perception, right? If you think about every single person in your life or people you've met around people you've met along your life in your life. I would say that every person you're around, you feel a different version of yourself around them. Like, I don't think it's being two phase or multiple personalities or whatever. I just think that you change yourself a little bit around certain people. Like the people that your parents think you are is different than the person that your best friend thinks you are or the different different person that your boyfriend might think you are or your boss or your teacher or your classmate, you know, like we all feel these different versions of ourselves and super interesting. And I think it's because it has to do with the person, right? Like sometimes we don't click with people. So we might be a little cold to them or we might be 
a little less open to sharing certain parts of ourselves to them, or there'll be someone we really click with and we really like how we feel around them. And I feel like that's so important to like, like how you feel around certain people, because I've had friends before that I don't really like who I am around them. And I like myself, right? When I'm alone, I like myself a lot. When I'm with my best friend, I like myself. When I'm with just certain people in my life who you know, I'm comfortable with, I like myself, but there are some people that I just don't like how they're perceiving me. And it's, it's like, I can't even control it. It's like, fuck, it just sucks. And I think sometimes we get stuck up on that. Like I've, I specifically remember this night and went to dinner a few months ago. It was like a friend's birthday. We were at dinner and I just felt off. Like, I just felt like I, I don't know if I was telling jokes. I don't know what the fuck I was doing, but I just felt like I wasn't being myself and I just hated how I was being received. And I just need, I'm, I'm tr- really trying to just let go of that. Like who the fuck cares? Like I'm the only one who cares. You know what I mean? At this age, I mean, I don't even know if we grow out of this. I feel like we're all just worried about ourselves and like how we're coming off. But when you're with a group of people that you get along with, like you kind of let that shit go. Like you kind of just learn how to just live in the moment and just say what you feel, be unapologetic, like don't really give a fuck about what anyone is thinking of you. So those are good signs, right? Like when you feel that comfort, I think that's important because those are the people you're meant to surround yourself with. But then, like I said before, there's the people that you just hate who you are around them. And I I don't think that it's you. I think that it's them giving their like negative energy to you. Yeah. So weird. But what I always try to think of, right. Is that if I'm feeling this way, they got to be feeling this way too. So when I, whenever I meet people now, I really try, I've always been this way. I really kind of, I don't know if this is a bad thing, but I kind of play devil's advocate a bit. When I meet people who are kind of rude or kind of bitchy, I kind of like give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, okay, maybe they're not having a good day. Maybe they're in a bad mood. Like they just don't like themselves right now is what I try to say. Even if they're not acting like they're self-conscious or insecure, I just take it that way because most of the time when people project on you, it's a projection of themselves. Hocus pocus changes the focus as my mom always likes to say, which I love that idea. It's like, you know, a little, a little saying for people who deflect on you. Yeah. I always try to think like when people are like that, they're just deflecting. Anyway, I mean, maybe it's a way to make myself feel better, but I always give them a benefit of the doubt and I'm always like, okay, I'm really going to try not to perceive them like this, right? I'm going to meet them another time, maybe another few times. Then I'll make a perception on them because I know first first impressions are, I don't even really think first impressions are important because shit, I mean, some of the people I've met, I don't want them to base my first impression uh, of me. Like, I don't want them to base that of who I am as a person, but that's just what people do. Right. Like, fuck. And so this bu- bugs me because I try not to do this. So I'm wondering, are people, are other people actively trying not to label you as an idea based on the first time they met you or the first few times or whatever, you know, because let's say someone meets you and like, you're a bitch. Like you say a few bad things, you've had a bad day or whatever. And now they're putting you in that box and they don't really fuck with you. And that gets to me, you know, because it's like, they don't know who I really am. They don't know how I really can be. And I just have to let go of that. And that's what I'm trying to give this message, I guess, is that you have to just let that the fuck go. Like, 
who cares? You know, the only person that really should matter is yourself and how you perceive yourself. But okay, that gives me, it just, I just need to go into this next topic because I've started reading this book called The Self Delusion and it is the neuroscience of how we invent and reinvent our identities. Let me just read you a little excerpt, excerpt from it. What do you see when you look in the mirror? You, of course, with the same familiar though altered face you've worn all your life. But a permanent you doesn't really exist. Not according to neuroscientist, physician, and New York Times bestselling author Gregory Burns. You have a body, but yourself is a story. And a very unstable one at that. Yeah. Okay, so it says, basically, in this research of neuroscience and social science and psychiatry, psychiatry, is that the right, did I say that right? Basically, it shows that selfhood is a temporary construct of our minds. So the self is a story that we tell ourselves moment by moment about where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. So in the book, I haven't finished yet. I'm very little, I haven't read very much of it. I literally, I literally just got it today. I'm not going to lie. I know I said I've been reading. I have been reading other books, but anyway, I got this today. But in the book, it shows how we can embrace the delusion of a singular self to make our lives better offering a plan not centered on what we think will be best for us, but a predicted on minimizing regrets. So it's enlightening, empowering, and surprising. It shows us how to be the protagonist of the stories we want to tell. Okay, so this is pretty deep. This is pretty deep, right? Okay, so it talks about how, okay, I like highlighted five of the themes that he talks about in the book. So I'm just going to kind of skim through a few points that I just want to share with you because I thought they were very, very interesting And it just ties into this whole thing of self-perception. Have you guys ever, I think I saw it on TikTok, but it also talks about it in this book. Okay, so the quote is, I am not who I think I am. I am not who you think I am. I am who I think you think I am. Which literally captures the complexity of identity. Like, Fuck. And it's all like perception. Okay. I know I'm trying to say you got to stop controlling the perception, but it's like perception is what it is. And God forbid some of the people think I think who they think I am. Like I've met some people that I hated the way they perceived me. And now I'm like, shit, like, was that real? Like, did they really think of me that way? So yeah, that, that may be the case. Right. But what I'm trying to get to is like, how do we let that go? Like just let it go, you know, because imagine how tiring it would be to try to like over explain yourself to every single person you've met to try to get them to understand you. Like some people just aren't going to understand you just like how you don't understand some people. Even though I said, like, I try to understand people and I give the people the benefit of the doubt. There are some people that I don't, I don't get and they don't get me. And that's just the end of the story. So the beginning of the book basically talks about how we are heavily shaped by our memories of past experiences and how the way we describe ourselves are from like stories of our lives. Your identity is the story that connects past, present, and future you. So he talks about the five themes that go on throughout this book. So the first one, now these are some big words, okay? These are some big words. I had to slowly say this one and then he does explain what it means. So this is epistemology is the branch of philosophy that deals with knowledge and how we know what we know. So for example, 
He has said that he's a physician and a neuroscientist. But how do we know that's what he is? Because he told us. Okay, so that's what this theory, that's what this branch of philosophy is. We know how we know what we know. Okay. The second one is compression. So compression deals with how the brain stores information. It also talks about how the brain is not like a perfect recorder and like how sometimes when we tell stories or we try to recount things, sometimes our brain can fill in blank spots with like fiction. So that's why a lot of times like criminal cases, when they have like eyewitnesses, it's really hard sometimes to get like super accurate eyewitnesses because sometimes people will recall scenarios like a different way than the next person because they're little parts that we don't fully remember that we think are real that we fill with fiction which is kind of kind of a whole nother thing and kind of scary if you think about it so the third one is prediction and this is how the brain thinks about future you so it says that prediction can both be a source of hope and anxiety which makes a lot of sense you know when you're like excited about something coming up like a lot of the times we do kind of live in that future, like being really excited, but also we can get anxious about things coming up too. Okay. And then the fourth one is disassociation, which obviously carries like negative connotations, but he talks about how basically like when we are thinking about the past and future versions of ourselves, we have to disassociate from the present. So we put our shoes in our future self or our past self and we like feel that feel. Yeah, so it it talks about how like disassociation can be leveraged to alter one's perception of the past as well as to reimagine the future. Okay, and the last one is narrative. So he says, this is the glue that binds everything together. We tell stories to ourselves and to others about who we think we are. And we listen to other people's stories in the hopes that they will shed light on the meaning of life. So in this book, we will learn from our past mistakes so that a future self will not regret what you do today. I hope you will not only have a better idea of who you think you are, but also a sense of how to take control over the process and craft a narrative for the future you. So needless to say, I'm very excited to finish this book and it's already got me thinking so much and I don't know why the theme of my uh, the theme of my life right now is like self-identity and this feeling of self. Like sometimes I think we live life so numbly, like we're just like a player in this body and we're not really like digging deep into like who we are and like ourselves and our personalities. And I mean, it can go down a whole rabbit hole, but I think it's so fascinating. Okay. So now that I've given you some background, a little knowledge, a little sprinkle of a book that maybe you guys should pick up. Um, what did I say? This, this is by Gregory Burns and this is the self-delusion. Okay. So now we're going to get into how, right? How to stop controlling your self-perception, how to stop caring what people think about you. So first of all, we have to remember not everyone is interested in us. Okay. Like I said earlier, we are all selfish beings in a way, right? We are selfless too, right? But most of the time we are concerned about how we look, how we dress, how we talk, how we're coming off to people. And most of the time people just really aren't, really don't care that much. They're, they're, they're not really significantly studying you, critiquing you, etc. Number two, you have to, you have to learn how to control your own thoughts of, of yourself, right? Not theirs. So if you spend, you know, all this mental energy focusing on others think of you, you're wasting your time and energy. 
So instead, you should be trying to manage your own thoughts about a situation because once you shift your focus like away from them and those things, you'll be so much happier and less stressed and more mentally strong because you're focusing on the things that you can control because you cannot control what others think of you. People are always going to have an opinion of you no matter what you do. Like, I mean, it is true. Like the minute that you do stop caring, your life does get so much easier and better. Like I've had nights where I didn't give a single fuck what anyone thought. I had the best time. Like those types of nights when you just are so carefree and fun and like who cares because no one really does. And if they do, that's their fault. That's on them. They have issues. (laughs) Number three, stop trying to please everyone. Okay. As a recovering people pleaser, you physically cannot please everyone. And if you do, you're the one going to be not pleased. You're the one going to be not having fun because people are going to judge you. People are going to get upset with you no matter what. You're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. Literally, you have to do what you want to do. I mean, of course, we have to consider others, right? But at the end of the day, you have to keep your peace and you have to do the things that are healthy for you. You can be considerate of others' feelings, but you are also not responsible for how people react when you share your truth and you are yourself. You can't, it's like I said earlier, it's not your business how they are gonna feel about that. Number four, do not ask for validation. Okay, ask yourself first. Do you like this? How does this make you feel? Sit with that for a moment. And this is something I can freaking learn. Don't go running to everyone yet, asking their opinions, asking their approval. Take a minute, take a day, take a day or two, take a night's rest, write a pros and cons list. I mean, I don't know if this, it could be like something simple, like, do you like this outfit, right? But really like, you look in the mirror, look at your outfit. Does, does this make you feel good? Before you need validation, right? Do you like it? If you love it and you like it, it doesn't matter, right? Now, of course, you want to ask for encouragement or acknowledgement or whatever, and you can recognize when someone praises you, but I don't think you should hold it up to this great value. That you shouldn't con- You shouldn't continue to keep asking and seeking out validation. I mean, I would, but, but also, okay. Like what I'm saying, like with with a grain of salt, right? Because validation isn't like just a bad thing in your life. It's affirming, like it's an affirming thing and it's positive, but I think that it becomes problematic when that's your focus is only when the friend tells you yes, or only when a certain person or a certain public reaction likes it. Right. That's when it, I think becomes unhealthy and like you're relying on someone else. Okay, and finally, number five, I would say work on developing your sense of self and building your confidence. Who are you as a person? What do you care about? What do you enjoy? Write a list of assets. Write a list of your personality traits, things you have, things you do, things you care about. Write it all down, right? Take a look at yourself. Know your worth because people are going to critique you no matter what. People aren't going to like you, right? That is just inevitable. And you can't 
go around trying to make everyone like you because that is only damaging to yourself. You have to build confidence and a sense of self and be confident in who you are because that will boost your self-esteem like regardless if anyone hates on that or not. Okay. Also one, one quick note earlier when I said like the theory of like, I am what I think you think I am. Right. I do think that sometimes anxiety and paranoia can like play into it a little bit when you like try to think that you're reading someone's mind, but you're kind of wrong. Like one time I, I remember I met this girl when I was at, on a work trip, I met this girl. I really didn't feel like she liked me. I was like trying to make jokes or like try to just like, I was being myself. I remember, but it just wasn't, she wasn't perceiving it. Like we weren't hitting it off. And I was like, Oh shit. Like, I guess she doesn't like me, whatever. So I just tried to like, let it go and whatever. And then like the next day her friend was like, Oh, like blank really liked you. And I was like, really? Like, I really didn't think that. So I think sometimes we are hard on our, hard on ourselves. And sometimes we do just want to be liked. And I think the key is just like letting that go because just be yourself, just be yourself. Not everyone is meant to like you. And think about this. Do you like them? Do you like them as a person? Stop trying to make people like you. Do you like them? That's the, that's the question you got to start asking. You be yourself and you attract people that you like. You know what I mean? Just be yourself always. Okay. And then I have, I have a quote. I have a quote for you guys. As the great Samantha Jones once said, if I was worried every bitch in New York was saying about me, I'd never leave the house. (laughs) Period, Samantha. We could all use, we could all learn something from Samantha Jones. Y'all turn on your TVs, watch a little Sex in the City. She is the one, really. I know maybe she can be a little problematic. All of them can be, but she really is. I think the more I grow up, the more I realize Samantha is the character that like I want to embody because she doesn't give a, sh- a fuck what anyone thinks. She lives her life. She has an amazing life. She's always happy, pretty much. Always thriving, amazing woman, divine femininity, I mean, even if you're a man, you could learn something from Samantha, okay? Just love that woman. Love her. Okay, now we got to do a little... Dig deeper. (laughs) Okay, so this week's question from We're Not Really Strangers, my favorite game. I'm asking the audience, and I'm also going to answer it myself. Is there a feeling you miss? Okay. Okay, guys. What do you think? Is there a feeling you're missing right now? I am feeling... I am missing, honestly... I'm going to be real honest here, right? I am low-key missing, like, being in love. I've been in love before about, I mean, healthy love. I've been in healthy love about five years ago. So it's a pretty long time. Maybe four, five, yeah, five years ago. But it was like teenage love, you know? It was still real for me, though. But I do kind of miss that feeling. I'm, I'm not really, like 
searching for it or like needing it or anything like that. I'm still just going to live my life the way I want to live my life. And if it happens, it happens. But I do kind of miss that. I like miss feeling really deeply for someone and it being reciprocated. And it's just like a warm hug feeling. Now, I have felt this way in like friendships for sure, but it is different with like a romantic partner. It's just like a different type of connection because we are like instinctual beings. And I feel like it's my womanly instinct sometimes to crave a masculine energy connection, right? I mean, I'm a, I'm a straight female. So with, with others, I'm sure it's like that same connection with whoever you're attracted to, but I think it's only normal, right? And I've, I've been single for a while, I've had a few situationships, but nothing was like love, you know? So that's, that's a feeling I'm missing. Okay. Well, hopefully you guys figured out Hopefully you also answered the question. Maybe you're feeling the same. Maybe you're, I don't know. Maybe you're feeling a different feeling that I'm missing. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please go to Chronicles of a Curious Soul on Instagram and you can send me a voice memo, a little topic. I'm going to post more on there about the topics that I'm going to be going over for the next week. So you guys can like leave in your questions, your experiences, all that stuff. Also, if you go to the link in the bio on the Instagram, you can leave your thoughts and opinions and you can also ask a question or suggest a topic that you want me to talk about. So thank you guys so much for listening to another episode and I will see you next week. Love you.